pastor forgets his Bible. Uh, but I re- re- when, you hear my, when, when you hear my topic, you'll know why. Um, we're going to pray. Um, but I believe tonight's a, a message that could, that could rescue thousands. Rescue thousands of people. Um, a few... I got to pass these out at the end. Help me. Rem- uh, about a month ago, maybe two months ago, I received an envelope from from Covenant Eyes. Who who has Covenant Eyes on on their on their devices to help their family? Um, well, that ministry sent this book free to pastors, and I started reading it, and my heart was very touched um, by the book. Um, and the day after our winter revival with Brother Salazar, my wife and I went and spent, um, spent the day with the Bellavos. And Pastor Bellavo and I sat at one side of the coffee shop, and Mrs. Bellavo and Pastor Be- uh, Mrs. Bellavo and, and Lisa sat at um, the other side of the coffee shop. And I, I, I believe for two hours, Pastor Bellavo and I talked about the issue of pornography. And during that conversation, I asked him, have you read a book that, from Covenant? I said, he said, The Healing Church. I said, yeah, The Healing Church. And he said, yeah, it, it's an excellent book. And, um, and so I, I, really, I really believe this is a, a great need for, for this day and age in which we live. And I believe tonight's message um, is, like a, is like an uppercut to the devil. It's like a right hook and a left hook, JB, it's like 75 jabs and he's, 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 he's already knocked out and we're still going to... I think it's this powerful and a powerful truth and I believe it can greatly help people. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring this topic to the Lord tonight and, um, and I, I believe our, um, everyone in this room can benefit and... Like, like the title of the book, we want to be a healing church. Um, and we want to be a church where we can help people. And so, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, um, you are the great creator of the universe. And Lord, you created us as moral beings. You gave, gave us a free will. And as a race, we chose to sin. And sin brought brokenness to this world. But Father, you you provided a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we trust you, not only do we get Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit. We get the Word of God. Lord, we have everything that we need to enjoy everything that you created even in this fallen world. And Father, we know one day you're going to restore this world to a perfect, perfect place. Um, But until then, Lord, there's a battle to fight. And we know many people have been destroyed and are being destroyed by the devil's wicked plans. But Lord, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 
So I ask, Lord, I consecrate this service. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that this would be the beginning, Lord, of a church that will help rescue people from the devil's ploys. We ask that you would um, guard this room. We bring the cross um, over us. And Lord, we take our place in your authority at your right hand. And Lord, I pray that you'd give power to preach your truth with authority. And Lord, I know in a room this big, many of us have been, have been tainted um, by pornography. And God, I pray that you'd give each person a complete and total freedom. Father, from what I read, it's not an easy button. But Lord, it is, there is a path to great victory. And so Father, I pray you just bless this time. We do thank you this morning for the many visitors that you sent, for answering our prayers. And we pray the visitors that came would come to know you as Savior we pray for this Iranian family that they would come to the Farsi Bible study and be saved before they go back to Iran. And so, Lord, um, just surround us, fill us, and help us this evening. And, Lord, may this be a victory service, not a negative service, but a victory service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh. Open up here. Ah, there. Okay. Mm. Okay. Recently, I read this book. What, what churches get wrong about pornography? It was a gift from Covenant Eye <clears throat> Ministry. And one thing we get wrong about pornography is to think that our church family is not affected by it. I'd just like to read a few excerpts. On page 8, it says, About two-thirds of Christian men and a third of Christian women say, they have an ongoing struggle with porn. And 69% of pastors say porn has adversely impacted their church. But only about 7% of churches offer any kind of support resources to their congregations. So there's a lot of people with this deep struggle. But there's very few churches that are doing anything really constructive to help them. Page number six, oh, page number eight. This is a sobering stat. Now this is not of Christians, but of all Americans, 43% say watching pornography is morally acceptable. Okay, many, many more watch it but 43% say there's nothing wrong with it. 
page 28. Of Christian men 18 to 30, 77% said they watch porn at least month, monthly. And within this group, 36% said they watched it daily. Um, among women, 18 to 30 in the same age group, 34% say they watch porn at least monthly. Page 60, page 60. Though Catherine felt like a unique sinner for many years, one study showed 73% of women, mainly between the ages of 18 and 35, watched porn in the last six months, and 26% in the last week. This is from the chapter about children. When you greet families in your church next Sunday, notice the beautiful young faces looking up at you. Many of those kids, eight and older, have been exposed to porn. Some of the five and six-year-olds have been exposed as well. Keep, keep in mind that today's kids aren't just, okay, I don't want to read that, not just the kids who attend church without their parents, but also good kids from great families have seen terrible things. Approximately 50% of 11 to 16-year-olds have seen bad material online. 94% of these kids have been exposed by the age of 14. But surely our good Christian boys and girls are not susceptible, or are they? In 2019, I led a team to speak at 27 homeschool conferences where parents are among the most protective of what their children see and hear. The vast majority of those attending were Christians, and I re heard repeated stories of six to eight-year-olds being exposed to pornography. In a follow-up email with parents who had visited our booth or attended a speaking session, <coughs> I found, found that 40% of these homeschool parents knew their children had seen pornography. More than 20% of kids were ages five to eight, 37.3% of kids were 9 to 12, and 31% were 13 to 15. There's another caveat to this scenario. Research, true research found that 71% of kids hide portions of what they do online from their parents. So if 40% of these homeschool parents were aware their children or teen had been exposed to porn, how many more kids have been exposed without their parents' knowledge. Now, one question that might come, what is porn? We're not going to go into any detail about that. It's not acceptable. And children, the devil wants to destroy you. Little kids, the devil wants to destroy you. Here's the rule. If there's ever a picture or video or anything that exposes someone's body where your underwear is, it's porn. And you need to run as fast as you can the other way and tell your parents. There's a story in this book. Um, a mother 
read some good material from Covenant Eyes, taught it to her little boy. And her little boy was playing with the neighbor's child. And the parents had given that child a tablet. The child was seven years old. And the child thrust a naked picture in front of her little boy. But she was so proud of her little boy, she, he turned and he ran and he told his mom. And when the mom investigated it, that little boy was showing it to all sorts of kids in the neighborhood. You know, everybody's got a device. And guess what? The devil, who showed me porn the first time? My friend Corey Holman. I was about nine years old, grade four. And we didn't have devices back then. He got under his dad's bed and got a bad magazine, and he was showing it to his friends. That's how I was exposed. But today, every kid's got an iPhone in their, phone, in their hand or a tablet or something like that. And so, young people, if there's ever a picture where someone's clothes aren't on, you just run the other way. Just be like Joseph, run the other way. And guess what? It's kind of like that scenario with Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve? Oswald, how much in the garden could they eat? God said, you can have everything in this garden, but don't touch this. And it's kind of like that. What God has for you in the Christian life is wonderful, beautiful, perfect. It's awesome. But you know what the devil will tempt you to do? He'll tempt you with curiosity. I wonder what that tree tastes like. I wonder what pornography is. A lot of the stories in this book about kids doing their homework and getting sucked in to the pit. Now, parents, you've got to be vigilant. We, we, we laugh about it, but we taught our boys that if, that if, that if there's an immodest... Now, we taught our boys if, if a lady's thighs were exposed or a lady was in a bathing suit or we're walking through the mall and there's mannequins with lingerie on, um, that was wicked. That was ungodly. And we taught our boys um, Job 31.1. Remember what Job said? I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a mate? And Austin and Tyler would walk through the mall. Bad picture. They didn't learn the, sub the subtility of just moving the eyes. They would move their whole head. Pastor Tyler, did it pay off? It paid off, didn't it? And you know what? My boys, they don't deal with the baggage that their dad has had to deal with. And guess what? They're both happily married. You know, there's some things when you're, when you're, um, there's some things, Oswald, can you drive now? Are you allowed to drive? How about Caleb? Are you allowed to drive? 
Why not? You're not 16. You're not tall enough to see over the, 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 um, the dashboard. Okay. Um, Caleb, are you allowed to play with matches? That's what I'm going to give you for. That's what I'm going to give you for birthday. I'm going to give you some gasoline and matches. Of course, I wouldn't do that. He's not old enough for gasoline and matches. And the way God designed sex, it's a beautiful creation. It's God's creation. Um, but it's for one arena, and that is the marriage arena, the marriage bedroom. That's the only place for it. Anywhere else, it's just going to make a mess. Okay? But kids, you've got to believe that by faith. Teenagers, you've got to believe that by faith. And there's going to be a great temptation like Adam and Eve to, you know, to Google search things. You know, to try to figure out stuff. You just have to say, God, keep me ignorant. Keep me simple concerning sin. It'll pay off. I often find that parents believe five myths about child, their child and pornography. My child is a good kid and wouldn't be curious about sex and would never look at pornography. If my child saw it, he would just look away. The measures I have in place are good enough. This typically means occasionally looking over a shoulder to see what is on a screen. Hey, that's a good rule. We always made sure computers were in an were in open place where the screen could be seen. But I, I know of a pastor's family. They were very good Christian people, very diligent in the way they raised their kids. They didn't have accountability software on a computer. And in just a few months, pornography took someone down a deep, deep pit that took several years to climb out of. And praise God, praise Jesus, the person is out of it and is living a wonderful life. But it's, it's, a, it's a dastardly thing. Another, another lie, boys are the only ones who struggle. I don't need to worry about my girls. If I talk to my child about pornography, they will become curious and search for it. Ms. McKay, could you run to the office and get the protecting the moral image. I just want to show that at some point. Um, oh, I'll come back to that. So here, here's the thing. If, if 80% of men and 40% women you see at work, on the SkyTrain, at school, walking down the street, have porn in their life currently or in their past, we live in a very broken world. And we need to do something about it, don't we? All of us just want to say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But he, he's the only one that knows the day and the hour. Could be another 20 years, could be another 50 years, could be another 100 years. 
What is God's death? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Apparently, it's hard for me to understand. I don't want to understand. There's a great truth. Be simple concerning that which is evil. Can you say that with me? Be simple concerning that which is evil. There's only a few professions where you might have to delve into evil. If you're a policeman... A judge, a lawyer, a therapist, a counselor. You may have to delve into what you would rather not know about. But be simple. You know, when there's a news story about some, um, you know, serial killer or some sort of pervert out there in the world doing terrible things... That can be as defiling as watching pornography. Turn it off. You know, you can read the headline and know, I don't need to know any more than that's what happened there is awful. You don't need to learn all about that. There's some, there's some Canadian news stories from the past. I don't want to know the details. I don't want my heart corrupted. But it's news, Pastor. We've got to be informed. All you've got to know is there's a lot of evil in this world. You don't need to become an expert on, you know, Robert Pickton. You don't need to become an expert. Be simple concerning that which is evil. What is the definition? Matthew 5 and 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And this is a wonderful blessing. It's looking for the purpose of lusting. If that wasn't the definition of pornography, none of us could live a moral life in the world in which we live. We'd have to walk around with a bag over our head. If seeing immodesty or seeing that which is evil was sin, we'd all just have to go to heaven. But pornography and, and lust is when we look at something for the purpose of love. Sam Black writes, what causes you to look with lustful intent? What causes your heart to treat another as a sexual object? That is pornography. You say, it's really not that bad. It's, it's just a mild um, sexual scene in a movie. If it's nudity, it's wicked. It's not hardcore, Pastor. It's wicked. And guess what? If you'll guard the lines of modesty, it will insulate your children's moral warehouse as to what is right and what is wrong. What are God's boundaries of modesty? The thigh is nakedness. I saw, I saw a woman at, at the Lunar Festival yesterday, the political party, and one of, one of the persons had a, had a long dress on all the way to the floor, but it was slit all the way up to here and all the way up to here. 
Yeah. Guess what? A man's eyes go there. And I had, to, I had to turn away. Every time she walked, I had to turn away. Okay? You guard the lines of modesty. That will help your children realize when something is wrong. The, the porn industry rivals the music, video game, and professional sports industries for annual revenues. Tens of billions of dollars a year. The love of money surely is the root of all evil. So why, you know, why is so, pornography so powerful? Because the human heart is so wicked. That's why, that's why 80% of people you see are some way or now or in the past some involvement in pornography. Why? Because our, our sinful heart likes it. Plain and simple. So here's another. Well, why is it so powerful in the lives of Christians? I read this sermon, or I listened to a sermon that was read. It was one of Charles Spurgeon's sermon. I'll just read a, a, a portion of it. It, it, was, it was called The Fainting Warrior. The text was Romans 7, 24 and 25. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now humble Christians are often the dupes of a foolish error. They look up to certain advanced saints and able ministers and they say, Surely such men as these do not suffer as I do. They do not contend with the same evil passions as, as those which vex and trouble me. Ah, if they knew the heart of those men, if they could read their inner, inward conflicts, they would soon discover that the nearer a man lives to God, the more intensely has he to mourn over his own evil heart. And the more his master honors him in service, the more also doth the evil of the flesh vex and tease him day by day. Understand that the old nature of the Christian is a body. It has in it a substance. Or as Calvin puts it, it is a mass of corruption. It's not simply a shred or a remnant, the cloth of an old garment. But the whole of it is there still. True, it is crushed beneath the foot of grace. It is, it is cast out of its throne, but it is there. There in all its entireness. And in all its sad tangibility, a body of death. But why does he call it a body of death? Simply to express what an awful thing this sin is that remains in the heart. It is a body of death. I must use a figure which is always appended to this text and very properly so. It was the custom of ancient tyrants when they wished to put men to the most fearful punishments to, to tie a dead body to them, placing the two back to back. And there was the living man with a dead body 
closely strapped to him, rotting, putrid, corrupting, and this he must drag with him wherever he went. Now this is just what the Christian has to do. He has within him the new life. He has a living and undying principle which the Holy Spirit has put within him, but he feels that every day he has to drag about with him this dead body, this body of death, a thing as loathsome, as hideous, as abominable to his new life as a dead, stinking carcass would be to a living man. The old nature will never give up. It will never cry truce. It will never ask for a treaty to be, to be made between the two. It will always strike as often as it can. When it lies still, it will only be preparing for some future battle. Well, what, this is just another excerpt. Well, what does the new nature do? When it sees all these enemies, it cries unto the Lord, and then, then the Lord sends its friends. First comes into its help Jehovah in the everlasting counsel and reveals to the heart its own interest in the secrets of eternity. Then comes Jesus with his blood. Thou shalt conquer, says he. I will make thee more than a conqueror through my death. And then appears the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. With such assistance, this newborn nature is more than a match for its enemies. God will sometimes leave that new nature alone to let it know its own weakness, but it, sh it shall not be for long, lest it should sink in despair. Are you fighting with the enemy today, my dear brother? Are Satan, the flesh, and the world, that hellish trinity, all against you? Remember there is a divine trinity for you. Fight on! Though like valiant for truth, your blood runs from your hands and glues your sword to your arm, fight on, fight on, for with you are the legions of heaven. God himself is with you. Jehovah Nissi is your banner, and Jehovah Rafi is the healer of your wounds. You shall overcome, for who can defeat omnipotence or trample divinity beneath his foot? The fact is, when you get saved... Sin isn't eradicated from, it's forgiven. But you still walk around with this dead body. Porn is destructive to your soul. Proverbs 6.32 says, Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. The Bible doesn't say that about any other sin. It's in a destructive sin. Porn is destructive to those closest to you. It is, it, it, is, um, it is destructive to your future marriage. It is certainly destructive to those that make it and to those that are slaves to make it. Sin always, always, always brings death. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entite. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Porn kills things. Do you love God? 
Porn will destroy your closeness to God. It will destroy, um, do you love your wife? Porn will destroy her heart. Do you love your kids? Porn will destroy your kids. Porn breaks us. It makes us sick. It amplifies our selfish hearts. Anyone who has, who has had extended exposure has brokenness in their heart and mind that needs to be fixed by Jesus. Anyone who has had exposure before marriage and hasn't totally renewed their mind will bring that brokenness into marriage and hurt their marriage. Well, pastor, is there any hope for me? There is hope for anyone who runs to Jesus with their sin and asks for forgiveness. God is a miracle-working God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Liberty is freedom. If you have indulged in sexual sin, if you're, un, if you're unwhole sexually, you are a perfect candidate for Jesus to forgive and to heal. If you like your sexual sin and it doesn't bother you, your heart is hardening. It's already hardened. And I would fall on your face before God and seek Christ's forgiveness. Seek Him to break your heart. If you've never repented and trusted Christ for salvation, that is where you need to start. If you are saved, seek Christ's forgiveness today. Repent, turn around, go the other direction. Turn to James chapter 5 and verse 16. This verse is emphasized throughout the healing church. And I believe it is something that has been missing from Metro Baptist Church and from many churches. I believe our position often is, I'll work on my problems with God. But I believe we, we violate a biblical truth when we don't seek the help of the body of Christ. Notice what it says in James 5 and verse 16. It says, confess your faults. That word faults are transgressions or sins. One to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The research proves people addicted to pornography don't break free unless they're willing to practice James 5.16. And forgive me, church, for not making an emphasis on that truth. Because if you've been struggling and you've been part of Metro Baptist Church for two years, five years, ten years, twenty years... Um, the struggle needs to be over. And it's only going to be over by you getting help. That's, only, that's the only way you're going to get over it. You say, I don't believe you, Pastor. I, I, can, I can conquer this on my own. Well, 
I got some things to read here. Page 14. People seeking to escape without help run around inside their prison cells chasing their tails. They are inconsistent in their surrender to Christ and lean on their own understanding. Guides and safe processes assist a rebellious heart from wandering to the private corners of depravity. Even though strugglers hate their prisons, their cells are well known and the routine is more comfortable than change. It is virtually impossible for people to overcome sexual sin without the help of the body of Christ. What started as a lust that was yielded to quickly becomes an entrenched habit in your mind and body. Porn actually rewires your brain. It is even more powerful than an addiction to some narcotics. Continued use of pornography and sexual fantasizing carves neural pathways in the brain that create greater cravings. There's a whole long paragraph. What starts out spiritual also becomes a physical problem. And when I read this verse, when I read this book, it really brought Romans 12, 1 and 2 to my mind where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, science is always catching up with God. But it seems to, seems to be that um, there's some rewiring that has to happen when we're addicted to a sin. And that rewiring, it takes, it takes work. Fear is a four-letter word. Addiction is not. Many Christian leaders fear words like porn, addiction, sex addiction, or compulsive behavior. A big reason is these words are seen as excuses and releases from responsibility. Others see them as labels, robbing a Christian of their identity in Christ. The opposite is true. We should be more fearful of religious... Religi Religiosity than addiction. In our modern culture, it's easy to see how celebrities and their attorneys have used the word addiction to escape responsibility. However, Christians have used religious phrases such as our fallen and sinful nature in the same fashion. Worse, religi religiosity has made private confessions to God and public confessions if found out a simple prescription. The slate is clean. There is no more work to be done. Move on. True repentance requires more of us. It requires we turn away from sin, take responsibility for our sin, and set a different course with action and purpose. Every recovery model in this book requires a person to conduct a searching and fearless moral inventory of oneself. It requires making a list of the people harmed by our actions and becoming willing 
to make amends. In other words, I am responsible for my sin, for the pain that I have caused others, and for my sin against God. These models require, require total submission to God because we admit that we have made a mess of our lives and that we are absolutely nothing without the great I am. Not only must we recognize our sin, but we must also confess that sin to another and ask them to pray for us that God may bring healing. In addition, these recovery processes require us to make amends to those harmed without causing more harm. Accepting words like addiction also reminds us we are susceptible and to be on, our, on guard. Too often in the church, we have swept addiction under the rug and then acted surprised, disappointed, or disgusted when a person's life falls apart. When we take our sins seriously, we will not, we're not afraid of a process that digs to its roots to pluck them out. We seek regular support from fellow Christians and we confess our weaknesses. We create boundaries to guard the gates of our heart. And we recognize our ongoing neediness for the body of Christ and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Rewiring of the brain requires a true and deep repentance and it requires help. Come on. Why are you locked up here? My sermon is below here. You say, Pastor, you've already talked enough. The Lord is sparing us, but I will. I really need it. Ah. I'll get it back. Pastor Tyler uses paper for this reason, right? <laughs> I've developed a better, a better ability to laugh at myself than he has, so it doesn't bother me quite as much. But um, oh, I don't want to shut my down. Okay. We're going to have a little bit of a break. I have a little survey here. It's very um, private. It says a healing church survey. It asks your age, under 35, over 35, and you just put a little X in the box. Are you a lady or a man? How old were you when you first viewed pornography? I was under 10. There's a never box. I know for sure there's a few people in this room that have never looked at pornography. That's amazing. That's a wonderful blessing. That is a miracle of grace. The first time you saw porn, did you find it on your own? Or did someone show it to you? When is the last time you looked at pornography? Never? Within the last month? Within the last year? Within the last five years? It has been over five years. Were you ever addicted to pornography? Are you currently seeking pornography on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis? Are you struggling to stop looking at pornography? Do you want to glorify God in your sexuality more than you want to breathe? 
And would you like someone to help you overcome this sin? There's no place for your name. But from this, I believe the Lord will show me, you know, where do we go next, the next step as a healing church? And um, you know, I, have, I really have no idea. Um, but I would, be, I would be a negligent pastor if I read a book like this and didn't pre... If, if I just yawned and go, oh, that's someone else's problem. I, w- I wouldn't be loving you. I wouldn't be caring for you as a church. And so, um, Pastor Tyler, if you could, everyone, everybody, everybody can, and I'll try to get my, my computer back on here. If you're online, we're, we're going to finish this. I told Pastor Tyler, we've got to keep the prayer time short tonight because the sermon is long. And it's not the type of sermon I want to come back and preach on next week. I'd like, it, I'd like to go on to um, other things. And then we have, a, we have another survey that needs your name on it. Oh, oh okay. This, this is self-explanatory, but please put your name on this. Esther Tyler, if you can help pass these out too.
Okay, can I have your attention? Okay, um, are, is everybody done in those surveys or do we need a couple more seconds? A couple more minutes, minute? Any more time? Do we need, if you need more time, raise your hand, anybody? Oh, we, we need a little bit more time. Kids, don't take too long filling those things out, okay, on what you want, okay? <laughs> oh, do I want this or do I want this? That could be all night, okay? So, um, you know what? I'm, you know, I looked where my, where my computer crashed is, is a pretty good place for me to stop. It is 740. Um, I think, I think the, um, one of the last thoughts I want to, just maybe some concluding thoughts, is... Um, You know, maybe maybe um, sexuality, uh, maybe pornography is part of your past, and it's it's the distant past in my life. Probably 16 years old was the last time that I was consuming anything of that nature. I can't imagine how I would have ruined my life if if I was a teenager, if I was 15 right now. Knowing what my heart was like when I was 15, I can't imagine the deep pit I would be in. So thank you, Lord, that it was hard to find, okay, when I was a teenager, okay? But it gives me a heart for the desperate situation that maybe some young people, maybe some adults, maybe some older people, um, are facing it's powerful it's powerful but Jesus is more powerful and um, but you really got to ask Jesus for the renewing of your mind especially if 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 any of that tarnish hasn't been worked out of your mind by the Lord Jesus Christ if you're holding on to any of that tarnish it's going to negatively affect your marriage. It's going to become it's going to become a bad tree in your marriage. And you say, I haven't looked at it in years. Well, it still might be having some residual effects. And I believe God wants us to be whole. Um, they that are they that are whole need not a physician. But Jesus has called sinners to repentance. I, I want to end with a prayer that I recently read. And, you know, I would like you to pray it with me. You say, I'm not looking at it, Pastor. I won't, I won't pray it. I won't pray it fast, okay? And, um, but I believe this prayer has a lot of hope. It has a lot of hope. Um, it's brought hope. Um, Jesus has brought hope to my heart, brought hope, brought hope to our marriage, brought hope to our life. And Jesus has that hope for everyone. You say, you don't know how big a pit I'm in. Well, Jesus says he reaches down and he picks us up out of a terrible pit. So I want to pray this in conclusion. It's not a short prayer, but would you pray it with me? If you bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess here and now that you are my creator and therefore the creator of my sexuality. 
I confess that you are also my Savior, that you have ransomed me with your blood. I have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. My life and my body belong to God. Jesus, I present myself to you now to be made whole and holy in every way, including my sexuality. You ask us to present our bodies to you as living sacrifices and the parts of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. I do this now. I present my body, my sexuality, and I present my sexual nature to you. I consecrate my sexuality to Jesus Christ. Jesus, I ask your Holy Spirit to help me now to remember, confess, and renounce my sexual sins. Lord Jesus, I ask your forgiveness for every act. You promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I ask you to cleanse me of my sexual sins now. Cleanse my body, my soul, my spirit. Cleanse my heart, my mind, and my will. Cleanse my sexuality. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. I renounce every claim I have given Satan to my life or sexuality through my sexual sins. Those claims are now broken by the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you for offering me total and complete forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness now. I choose to forgive myself for all my sexual wrongdoing. I also choose to forgive those who have harmed me sexually. I release them to you. I release all my anger and judgment towards them. The cross is enough. Come, Lord Jesus, into the pain that they have caused me. And heal me with your love. Lord Jesus, I ask you to reveal to me every agreement I have made about my sexuality or this specific struggle. I break this agreement in the name of my Lord Jesus Christ and I renounce every claim I have given it in my life. I... I bring the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ against this guilt, this shame, these consequences. I banish my enemy from my sexuality in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite the healing presence of Jesus to cleanse me and restore me as a sexual being in fullness of joy and wholeness. I ask you, Jesus, to fill my sexuality with your holiness to strengthen me and restore me in your name. Lord Jesus, I consecrate my sexuality to you in every way. I ask you to cleanse and heal my sexuality. I ask your healing grace to come and free me from the consequences of this terrible sin. I I ask you to fill me with your healing love and goodness. Restore my sexuality and wholeness. I invite the Spirit of God to fill our marriage with your wholeness. Or until that day I do get married, I continue to consecrate 
my sexuality to Jesus Christ. I pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you that you haven't left us alone in this struggle that we have here on earth. We thank you for the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. Lord, I think of Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Often tempted, sometimes failing. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's hope for everyone here today. Father, I pray that we would desire to glorify you in our sexuality more than we want to breathe. And I know if that is our heart, you surely have a freedom for us. Oh Lord, help us to realize it's a fight, it's a battle. Healing takes time and it takes work. But you'll never leave us alone. And Father, if I, if I look at these surveys and there's, there's a real cry for help, Give us wisdom um, how to help one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.